Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast once again, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm here in my studio in Alvin, Texas, and I am joined today by a very special guest, a guy I've actually known for a couple of years now, and, and that is Brian Pessell from Fortune Management. Now, Brian is coming in today, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about some of the things that Fortune does, but he and I were actually having this discussion last week, and you know, Brian, one of the things that um, I love about you is you don't mind giving people information. You know, and um, we kind of talked about the hard spot that a lot of dentists are in right now and a lot of business owners in general. So if you guys have anyone that you know who's a business owner in general and is struggling, a lot of this information is really pertinent just to the management of business, period. And um, so full disclosure, Brian has done some work for me in the past and has done some uh, consulting in my practice in the past, which is how I know him. But Brian is not paying me to do this. Um, <laughs> He has agreed to come on and bring you guys some information that's actionable because he knows that if he can make your practice more successful than you can afford, well, him, right? So, Brian, without further ado, uh, why don't you do me a favor and tell these guys a little bit about yourself sure. and how did you, well, first of all, what's your background and then how did you get into consulting in general and how did you get into dentistry of all things? Okay, so yeah, where does it all begin, right? So my background is this, uh, I'll start academically, I'll kind of break it up in, into segments. Academically, by training, um, I have a PhD in what's called industrial organizational psychology. So what that means is I spent a lot of years uh, in deep study of how businesses perform and looking at them through the lens of you know, how do we measure performance? How do we assess people? How do we, how do we study the organization's culture um, and build around that? And how do we put in the programs and the training, the learning and the strategies to increase the performance of the business through the people? So how do we hire the right people? How do we train them? How do we build leadership? How do we you know, create a vision and a culture of the organization that will allow it to grow and prosper? All right. And then so, that, that actually, and this is one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot yeah. in the past is that whole structural um, component and management by statistics is, is one of the things that actually brought us together because yeah. I'm a huge fan of management by statistics. And I think that every single office needs an R chart, whether they have right. 10 employees or three employees or a hundred. Right. So we look at, you know, from uh very kind of structural perspective, creating right. a structure like an org chart, but then also who do you put in those positions and what do you do with them? So I was always curious about this area, how to study businesses, how do organizations work, how, to lead, how does leadership work and how do those two tie together? Now, going back further, before I got into the studying, uh, my, my entree into dentistry started from birth. I'm the son of a dentist, <laughs> which is a lot better than being a son of something else. Well, there so, you go. <laughs> and, yeah. Wait, now, are you, are you implying something? No, 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 son no. of a dentist yes. is wonderful. <laughs> and uh, the, the funny thing, I was just sharing the story with someone else saying, you know, when you're the son of a dentist, your worldview about certain just normal everyday things is really different. Like, absolutely. I remember the first time I had to pay for a toothbrush. That was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, these things aren't free. These aren't free. You know, they don't come home with your, and your last name's not printed That's on right. it, right? But <laughs> let alone paying for a crown oh, and a cleaning, right? Exactly. But, uh, exactly. but I grew up around dentistry. My father, uh, as a periodontist, 
Uh, he was a graduate of Case Western in Cleveland and has practiced okay. in Phoenix, Arizona for, for 25 years. And so I grew up around the office, hanging around, uh, spent a lot of time there, a lot of fond memories, you know, after school, riding my bike over to see my dad and hang out at the office. So um, I was around it and exposed to it. However, I didn't have this draw to the profession, much to, to my father's chagrin, but um, <laughs> When I started studying organizational psychology and behavior, that's when I became fascinated with his business. Right. And Absolutely. At the same time. How much, how much was he doing right? Or can you say anything like that right now? So, at the, <laughs> so here's the interesting thing. Like, I didn't know enough to say anything um, because I had yet, at the exact same time I went to graduate school to become an expert at this stuff, is the exact same time my dad became a client of fortune management oh well there and you go so i was fascinated because i actually was introduced to his practice management coach at the time a wonderful gentleman named dr gary mccleed who's probably now 82 83 semi-retired in tucson arizona mm-hmm. but being the quintessential stereotypical entrepreneur the man never slows down like he's still working building businesses etc um, but this was 20 something years ago. Well, that, that begs the question, how long has fortune management been helping sure. dentists for, this is our 30th year. We wow. were supposed to have a big 30th anniversary celebration. Right. In, in March. Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. In Las Vegas at Dense by Serona World. And obviously oh, for COVID reasons that got pulled out from under us. But, um, as an aside, we're big proponents of, and, and, and supporters of, of Dense by Serona World. We believe in technology. For a Absolutely. lot of reasons, technology is a great way to grow your practice. It's a great way to expand your production and what you can do. And it's also well, and, the best and, marketing tools. So, and technology well chosen and, and, and well planned. You know, you've got you've yeah. to have a planned ROI on something yeah. for it to actually work in some, in some form or fashion. You know, and, and that's one of the actually the things yeah. that I made a mistake with is I love technology. Yeah. And I think one of the first things you said whenever you came to the office, was like, oh, you've got all this technology this is great. <laughs> What's your overhead? Right, right. So that's a great segue. So let's, exactly. let's kind of, so like you know, we think about numbers of a, in a dental office, like I'm going to kind of broadly, I'm going to you know, paint with a broad brush here, but let's like create two large buckets of numbers. One's kind of the financial numbers. And talk about your profit and right. loss statement and balance sheet, those kinds of numbers. And then let's talk about kind of the practice management numbers. So that's your production and collections and your, your new patients, lost patients um, and treatment acceptance. So Absolutely. kind of like paint a broad brush there. And, and really another way to look at them is kind of lead and lag indicators. Absolutely. Right? And, and, and that's something we can talk more about as well when it comes down to like strategy and how to use them. But what I'd love to share with everybody, and, and we've talked a lot about this, is that um, I could <clears throat> sit here and rattle off for you all the benchmarks, right? right? The percentages you should be hitting all your marketing should be between two and 4% of collections okay. and your payroll should be between 20 and 24% and yada, yada, yada. But then again, well, the, you can go and problem, Google that. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the problem is, is that that's what a lot of consultants do. Right. And then they just kind of hammer on it. They have this weekly meeting that you pay for where they say, right. Hey, did you get your, uh, your lab costs down? Right. You know, it's kind of like if you uh, handed somebody the keys to your car, Brian, right. and you said, um, you know, I want you to go to the grocery store right. and I want you to pick some things up for me. But you didn't tell them which key fit right, your car exactly. and tell them where the grocery store was and how they're to accomplish that task right. unless you actually train them Correct. and teach them. And, and so that's, that's one of the things that I love about the way that you work. Thank you. And well, in your, and in your analogy here, um, everything that you mentioned as kind of the way to correct it all, it's all, it's all about the behavior, right? Right. So I always talk about like, we're never going to shoot from the hip. 
right? So to do that, you need to know your numbers, but mm -hmm. then when you do actually aim and fire, that's a behavior, right? So the numbers tell us what, 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 where we need to look and look deeper and think about. So for example, I can look at a, a doctor's numbers. I'm a big fan of using things like dental intel. Right. And if your system doesn't work with dental intel, you can use square practice. Well, I don't care as long as you're using something. To look hey, at I'm, I'm getting you. I'm getting you on board with Jarvis. Let's check out Jarvis. I, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Oh, it's it, fantastic. Rock the world. But here's the thing. I can look at that or your P&L and we can have an hour long conversation just by pulling up a couple of different numbers because they don't necessarily tell me there's a problem. They tell me something is going on. So mm -hmm. I look at somebody's AR and they have a ton of money sitting there past due. Right. I don't jump to a conclusion. I don't know what that means. I just well, it know could mean you've got some sort of a, a you know, like a compassion finance where they're paying over time. It could mean someone's not sending out statements. It, it could, could just be well, we, the way we bill out ortho, we have it all sitting there on the Absolutely. books or something, but I have to talk about it. Right. And we said, what? Is, and so that's where I come in as a coach, not a consultant. A consultant will come and say, okay, doc, I see this number is too high. Do this, this, and this. I'm going to come and say, doctor, tell me about this number. What does it mean? What's mm -hmm. going on in your office? So how often do you find that the, the doctors uh, come in and they don't know the numbers at all. They have no idea what they mean yeah, and no yeah. idea where they come And this from. isn't just to pick on the dentist because this is right. very common with, it, it, with any small business. business. Absolutely. So we just don't look at stuff. And why don't we do it? It could be for a variety of reasons. One could be it's just not in our personality, in our nature. We don't like numbers. We're scared of numbers. We're just not interested. Um, or it's, we're just afraid of what we're going to see. Mm -hmm. I've seen that before. I've watched that. I watched it. It just gets worse. worse. I've just ignored it. Absolutely. <laughs> it sounds silly to say it out loud. But, you know, we, it's human behavior. It, it is. It yeah. is. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, and this is one of those things that just floors me, that as dentists, we see this every single day. You know, uh, you know, Mr. Smith, you've got a crack on tooth number 19. I'm really worried that it's going to fracture on you. Right. We should do something about that. You know, how, how long does Mr. Smith wait and uh, see if that tooth is going to break? And that's the problem. He knows the crack's there. Right. Every now and then he might say, you know, I got a sharp pain last week. And yeah. you're like, well... I've been telling you for years, you need to put a crown on that thing. Are we going to do that today? Like, well, yeah, it hasn't broken yet. <laughs> right. You know, doesn't hurt. Nothing. How long would you say a lot of these dentists are letting these numbers just kind of fester? Yeah, you know, it it, it depends on where they're at in their career. I, I I just spoke with a doctor a few weeks ago, and I looked at his numbers. We did one of these kinds of conversations where I took right. him a tour around all of his metrics. And I said, mm -hmm. "Look at this. Look at this. Tell me what this means. Tell me what this means. Why are like?" This? And he would say, "Well, yeah, you know, I know that's bad." We used to look at it up right. until a couple of years ago, and I know, I realize now that I stopped that it's declined, right? And so something. So usually what, what is that old saying, Brian? That which is measured gets done. Yeah, that which is measured <laughs> grows. You know? Right. So it's like having a scoreboard, right? Um, you know, it, uh, it, it, if you were to go to a baseball game or a basketball game or a football game, and there was no scoreboard up, like how long would you sit in the stands and watch this game? You'd get quite bored quite quickly. There'd be no Is interest. Anybody in... keeping track of the score? Right. Like, what's who's going, right? And, and we know this to be true, right? Like you need a scoreboard to make it interesting. So I'm not going to get political here, but that's exactly yeah, what. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not going to go. Yeah, there. don't go. Not, it's, 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 too, it. it's, it's too, it's <laughs> um, yeah. too, too, too exciting of a time right it's, now. It's too sensitive. But yes, I agree. Yeah. Games should have a scoreboard. Yeah, have a scoreboard. And so we know how we're doing. We have a scoreboard. And I, I see it all the time. I just had this the other day. One of my clients, um, the, the, um, 
the bonus system we set up for our clients is mm. really based on the numbers. Okay. Right. It's We're not willy nilly tossing out. Well, but so-and-so has been doing really well for me. So I'm going to give her a bonus. <laughs> and next thing you know, we look at the numbers. I'm like, doc, you know, your payroll is like way out of whack. Why is that? Well, you know, right. I pay them this, I pay them. I said, yeah, but you haven't actually collected any more money to cover that cost. And it, you know, and, and okay. So it's, that's one of the things that really drives me crazy about <laughs> dentists is one, one of my favorite sayings, I'm not sure if I told you this aphorism yet or not. Uh, I'm going to get you a copy of the, okay. the new book. But um, the, the fact that people, they first of all make long-term financial obligations for yeah. short-term performance right. gains. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Those should be bonuses, not raises. But one of my favorite sayings is, tell me about your results, not about your efforts. Right. I don't want to know how hard it is. And I don't want to know how hard you worked at it. I just want the results. In right. fact, as long as it's within the lines of my procedure and the job is getting done correctly, I don't really care right. about some of the things a lot of dentists do. Like my, my team could be on the phone right. and I'll be like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, such and such, such and such. Oh, cool. I'm not going to get on their case right. because they're on their cell phone if their job's being done right. so what are, and their what, numbers look good. What you can use with the numbers, so the numbers, again, they just they just help us find the story. They don't necessarily tell the story right? because like we said, you could have 20 different reasons why that number looks that way. We got to figure out what the reason is in your mm -hmm. situation. So you're, you can help use these numbers, again, to direct behavior. And one of the things that we can do with it, if we do it smartly and strategically with other types of behavioral adaptation, I guess, training and learning is to help your team to become a highly functioning, high performance, self-managing team. So back to the example of the bonus system, I was very impressed with one of my clients. She was brave and she's like, I'm putting everything out there. So mm -hmm. she took this calculator that we use, this fancy spreadsheet to figure out what the bonus should be and put it up on her big screen. I love that. And, and, let, the, and let the that. team watch it. And she calls me and she goes, Brian, it's like, they are killing it. They keep coming in and checking the numbers. Yes. Like, okay, what else do we need to do to get that I number love to that. go? That's the power of numbers. And again, the numbers are lead lag indicators. We can go into all that, but unless you create a motivation for it and 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 some awareness level understanding mm -hmm. how they work. So again, going back to the payroll and the bonus and, and salary and getting a raise versus a bonus, I stand in front of an office and I'll tell a team of, of employees in, in a dental office and say, you're no longer going to go to the doctor and ask for a pay raise. Mm -hmm. What? They, they go, what? I said, yeah, how, I want you to answer this question. How much more money do you want to make? And mm -hmm. their jaws all but drop because no right. one in their life has ever looked at them in the eye in the context of their place of work saying, you decide right. how much more you're going to well, make. And, you know, that's the power of bonus systems that are right. well made. Correct. That And that's a very well, important thing is that they actually give your team the ability to give themselves their own raises. And, and that's powerful. It's very, and you're putting control in their hands. Right. And you're saying, listen, I trust you. And if you want to make more money, the only way to do uh -huh. it, the <laughs> only way to do it is to help treat more people or do more treatment. And I'm going to put in your hands to help us get there. And right. So you, you uh, had an aha moment. I, I'm, so, I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to channel my, uh, see, I don't have any Yiddish background, but I can pretend. Aha. <laughs> aha. So what the problem is, is that a lot of dentists, not only do they not know how to structure these systems correctly, yeah. but they also don't trust their teams and they don't trust right. their teams because they don't know their numbers. Right. So it's well, a huge. Yeah. Cause well, you're, you're right one there. person and you've got six, seven, eight, nine people right. doing their thing all day long. 
dental offices by their nature are busy places. You're not sitting stagnant in one place to watch each other. At least, at least they were before COVID. Right, they were right. <laughs> they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be stagnant. We should be very busy. And, and so how do you know what's going on? Again, the numbers are just a scoreboard. And so they're indicators, but we have to, again, we have to modify the environment so that we also do have more communication and so that we can have feedback. And so we designate time for that. So again, I know what, it's not the kind of the purpose of this talk, but <clears throat> the thing about it, we have to schedule actual meetings, schedule them, put them on the schedule. There is this inverse, uh, inverse reaction that we have. It's, if we plan purposeful meetings and take time out of the schedule, I put quotes on taking it out because you're mm. really using time wisely. Right. If you use it wisely, we actually find that production goes up. Too, unfortunately, too many of us had the experience of having, I'd say, useless meetings and, right. and our production well, does get impacted. It, but what happens there, though, is, okay, so if you have a monthly meeting, or you have a weekly meeting, right. and that meeting is scheduled during the time everyone's supposed to be there anyway. You're not asking for new behaviors from your team. Right. You're not asking them to change things. You're asking them just to show up when they would have shown up before. Now, if you start having these meetings outside of work hours, then they begin to resent that because you're cutting into their home time, and you're, right. you're cutting into That's their right. home time to do something that you want to do at work, and it doesn't work, it doesn't work yeah. really well. And so what we do is we, we don't just have meetings for the sake of having meetings. We also create a layer of accountability and again, empowering your team. So we create source people, make them responsible for certain areas. And we can, that's a longer talk, mm -hmm. but you know, they're going to be prepared with numbers. Everything that they are working on will have some sort of metric to it, whether you're doing treatment reactivation, you know, hygiene reactivation, new patients, anything within marketing, everything can be measured, whether it's quantitatively or qualitatively. Some, things are, some are easier to find than the, others. The soft, the soft numbers are harder. Are much you know, harder. But you can measure a lot of those. Let's say patient satisfaction. All you have to do That's is right. you have to create surveys. You know? If you want to do it, you can find a way to do it. And, Absolutely. And we can figure it out. So to come full circle, right? So we got you know, our, our finance numbers, stuff you see in your profit and loss statement, and then we kind of the practice management numbers. And the practice management numbers are going to be more of your, your, lead, your, your lead indicators, right? They're the things that happen before the end, right? The lag is going to be really your collections, which it, it kind of straddles both practice management and P&L because your, your collections obviously becomes your revenue, which ends up in your tax return, right? right. So that's, but, but if I'm focused just on those um, outcomes, those longer term numbers, things like revenue, mm -hmm. I'm looking at quarterly or, or annually, guess what? It's too late. They're already in the books. Right. They're done. But if I focus things on like, am I actually rescheduling every single patient that comes through my hygiene chair? Mm -hmm. Your collections are going to go up. Right? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. And, and we can make those changes and tweaks well, and, and corrections much more quickly if we look at these numbers that are on the lead side and not on the lag side. And there's, there's a couple of concepts there that, um, first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to just, just be straight up. Yeah. Most dentists probably know what they need to do. Oh, sure. But they just don't That's implement it. That's not rocket science. Well, they don't implement it. They don't implement it or they're not accountable for it, or they haven't seen that it worked before that for them before. So they and they don't this, believe. They have this limiting belief. Well, I tried it before and it didn't work. Or, or my friend Joe from school tried this right. and it didn't work, you know, and, and like they, we have to take that limiting belief and, and like knock away the evidence they have to support it and Absolutely. Then recreate it and say, look, it can work. And here's five different reasons how it could work or how we can make it happen and then start to do it and show them how. So You, yeah. you also mentioned dental intel earlier, which yeah. of course it gathers data in your practice management software yeah. and it makes it into a really nice readable form. 
Uh, there's some other great programs out there like Jarvis that do that. But the, um, the truth of the matter is, is there's only one statistic that matters. What's that? That's profits. But without knowing what goes in the profits right. and what levers and what dials right. to use to increase your profits, then you're never going to get to your goals. With profits. And, and you know, it's interesting you say that uh, because every client that I've ever worked with, you know, I, the doctor has some level of understanding. They of all think about their production. They look, right. Yeah. But some of them have more or less on it. They'll, they'll know, you know, I say, do you have your profit and loss statement? Like, yeah, right. they either have one or they can get it. You know, they're looking at their CPA sending some quarterly, right. whatever. And we can go through it. We analyze it. And we do all that. How many know how to read it? Maybe, maybe half. I don't know. I'm guesstimating, you know, but, but even if they know how to read it, they don't know what to do about it. Right. But here's what's interesting. I, I bring it over to their team and I'll actually have a session with this, the office. Mm -hmm. And so we'll have a room full of, again, six, 10 people, depending on how big the office is. And you've got, I have the hygienist, I have the assistants, I have the front office, everybody in the room. And I'll look across the room and I'll say, how many of you know what a profit and loss statement is? Show hands and don't be embarrassed. Right. This is an opportunity to learn. I want to know what, what you know. And, and I have rooms where the only person's hand that goes up is either is the dentist, obviously, because they've had to sit down with their CPA mm -hmm. and look at it at least once a year. And maybe if there's an office manager. Right. But most people have not looked at a PL in the room. I said, great. Now we're going to learn what it is. Because we have to have the team understand what goes into making this business profitable. Right. Because when they have conversations with you about their pay and they look at doc, I need to get a raise. I've been here for three years. You owe it to me. Well, they don't, there's, there's blinders on there. You know, we just look at our own. Are we going to, are we going to talk about the existence tax? The what? The existence tax. That's whenever you get a raise every time the earth goes around just the sun. You existed. That's right. Yeah. And so, but, but, and I see their eyes pop out. I'll take a, I'll take a print out of a profit and loss statement from a dental practice. I'll mm -hmm. hand it around the room and we'll go through it. And then I'll show them the percentages. And like you would, some of the things that maybe you and I take for granted or dental practice owner will take for granted is something new to them. Like I've right. had them say, you, you doc this is how much our phone and internet costs every month right they're like they, i didn't realize this. well they don't they think about their own personal bills <laughs> they, they don't look at about their paycheck commercial bills right the broader the broader perspective what it really takes to run the business so Absolutely. now what we're doing is we're treating them like partners in the business yes and that opens up a whole new way of looking at things you know and then well gosh every patient we bring in i got it it's not just the hour you spend with me and i get paid x dollars per hour it's we got all these supplies. We got electricity to pay for rent or a mortgage. We've got insurance for the business. We've got, you know, and, and the list goes on. You've seen your PL. There's a lot Absolutely. of line items there. This is new to them. Share it with them. Open it up. Like why hold your hold that to you, you know, so mm -hmm. tightly and, and just kind of carry that burden on your own. Well, and I think one of the things that um, is not something that I came up with myself. Um, I, uh, I've, I've got an absolutely amazing mentor and um, in the owners of MB2. And Dr. V told me one day, we're sitting there chatting and he said, you know, he said, you have to think about your Adita as a cup of coffee okay. every day. I said, okay. So what do you mean? He said, well, whenever you spend $5 on a cup of coffee every day, let's say you buy coffee for everyone on your team. Every day, let's say you got five people on your team, you spend $25 a day on coffee, that's $100 a week, right. that's $5,200 a year. And so if you are spending $5,200 a year, right. and you have a 10x multiplier, right. 
that's $52,000 at the end right. of the year that you've just lost right. in, in what your, your, the value of your business is, is that cup of coffee worth $52,000? And I think that's something that you can share with teams that make them right. really understand. Correct. And well, so we can look at things like they want a pay raise. Right. How much do we need to collect in order to afford that pay raise? Are, are they shocked when you start telling them about the taxes that a business has to pay that don't come out of their check? Right. And so we do this formula. We take this you know, simple number and we create this equation. And I can say, yeah. okay, well, if you want, each of you want a thousand dollar raise, there's five of you on the team, that's $5,000 in order to maintain this level of margins, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. We're going to have to produce another 20,000, 25,000, 30,000, right. whatever it is in order so that you each can get a thousand. They go, First, they're a little bit overwhelmed. Right. But then again, being smarter, I can come back to the behavior. So, but let's break that down. Mm -hmm. Let's find a way we can actually do this. And I start to say, okay, we take, so let's say it is 30 grand more we have to collect. So you can each get a thousand dollars more. Okay. What would that mean per month? We'd have to collect more. And then what would that mean per week and per day? Absolutely. And next thing you know, you break it down. It comes out to be like $22 per person. Absolutely. And, and you say, okay, oh, so I what, can do that. What <laughs> procedure is it? that we can add one more of a day. Exactly. What, you know, or, or one to each patient. Exactly. Fluoride. Fluoride trays. Oh my gosh. Fluoride trays are amazing they because they're good for the patient. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're a high profit item. They have a low cost. And I think they can turn a practice around. And I'm gonna, yeah, pick one little, there's a couple words you said in there that, that you said it's good for the patient, right? So there's something I want to talk about that's interesting. So, you know, dentists by nature, and maybe not all of y'all, but I hope so, right? By nature, you're, you're, you're caring people, right? You got right. into this industry because you want to take care of people. And most of the people in your office do as well. I've never met Absolutely. a dentist or a hygienist or dentist. They, they, they don't say one of the, the best things about coming to work every day is taking care of people. So we're not talking about um, improving collections and performance by ever doing unethical or selling anything somebody doesn't need, right? right? Anything you present to somebody, to a patient, or like I like to call our friends, right? You, you, you need to believe with every fiber of your being that this is for their own good. This is for their best treatment possible for this person in front of them. Absolutely. If you come to come to it with that mindset coupled with a mindset of abundance, like it's limitless. So when Absolutely. I talk to teams about how to become more profitable, right? And I have doctors, you know, they're, they're swinging a machete to cut costs and and they're going out researching online to find better, you know, prices on gloves. And they're they're going to cut their marketing, and they're going to do this, and they're going to cut. <laughs> What's the labor cost for the two dollars savings? Time. Yeah, and that's you know? you, can you, you know, so the ten hours you just spent this week doing all that. If you could just sat somebody at your front desk for three hours and pay them twelve dollars an hour to make a hundred calls an hour Absolutely. to get your patients back in, you would have made. You know, the, it's tripping over tripping over dollars to get the pay. Absolutely. So how, and so you know, I tell them when, I, when I'm explaining to the team, right? I go back to that talk about explaining to them a, a PL. I make it very simple. We don't do a deep dive. I just, you know, I tell them there's a lot of term terminology that you use all the time that come from a PL. You know, what's the bottom line, right? right. <laughs> you've used, you've said that before. Do you know where it comes from? It comes from here. That's mm -hmm. what the bottom line is. And you got the top line and here's what's above the top line. Here's what's below the bottom line. Here's what's in the middle. We talk about this is the collections, these are expenses, and this is what's left over. The whole conversation takes about five minutes, but mm -hmm. these light bulbs are just fire, firing off, right? And so once they have that idea you know, cemented in, now it starts to click, right? I love we, it. Start, we start to see like, got it. So we pull in a dollar here and dollar there. It really has this, this, this impact. And, and here's where that money is going. This is how it ends up helping me. And what do I have to do to help you know, contribute to that? So- Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some of the simple things that anybody right now, and first of all, what yeah. are you, what are you seeing um, post COVID? 
seeing a lot it, it really varies um there, there's a lot um I'm, first of all you know acknowledgement overall to dentists out there who've done an amazing job you know we're seeing articles that just came out this week about the low uh infection rate among dentists you right. know where six months ago the world was screaming at us dentists can't open you can't work it's not safe yada yada, right. yada. and you guys have done better than anyone and i was saying that all along before the real, well, we already that, have you already have your protocols in place. Yes, yes, you guys are already phenomenal at it. You never heard crazy stories about, you know, dental offices being the hotspots, hotspots for outbreaks of flu mm-hmm. or hepatitis. Like it just didn't happen. So, but kudos to you guys for sticking to that and always being there and 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 then just being bold enough to go out there and keep going. Um, but what I'm seeing is that, uh, yeah, there are some dental offices that aren't going to make it or haven't made it and shut down. There's some that just really lock the doors and. And, and walked away. What percentage do you think? I, it's hard, so hard to tell right now. I, I think I'm that after a, you know. I think after a five year, because I think this is going to be a five year ditch. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the end of five years, we're going to find out who made it, who didn't. I think you're going to see a fifteen to twenty percent failure rate. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think you know, I, I was asked uh, by one of the teams I coached this question, who's in a smaller town away from the big cities, not mm-hmm. in, in Houston, kind of wondering what are you seeing out there. And I kind of on the spot, I said, you know, I, I don't mean to be morbid, but the analogy I'm going to tell you is this. Um, the practices that aren't making it or didn't make it are kind of like, unfortunately, the people who got infected with COVID and didn't make it. Usually there's already an underlying issue, mm-hmm. other health problems, something Absolutely. wrong. And so either they didn't have the right culture, they didn't have the right numbers and the right systems in place. You know, if you go on that, I'd be careful what I call it, Facebook group the you know dental uh houston dental you know dental peeps and you'll you, right. if during that go back to during the shutdown and look at people's comments there you know dental assistants and hygienists saying i haven't heard from my boss i don't know what's going on in the office yada yada there was breakdown in communication and it probably was never there to begin with that was the number one thing that i think kept our dental offices going was communication communicating with their teams so the leadership cleaning of the teams and the office communicating with their patients I, I think that something else that was, you're not going to like that I say this, <laughs> but um, I think something else that was made very evident was the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, so far as um, people who should, in my opinion, uh, have more scientific knowledge than mm-hmm. they do, but by and large do not. Now, there are some shining exceptions. My hygienist is one. Yeah. And I'm probably going to get reamed for this, but there were a lot of hygienists out there shouting from the rooftops and saying things that were utterly untrue. Yeah. And it really caused a lot of problems, yeah. I think, for the offices that they worked for. Now, there were some uh, really amazing, and I can't say that enough, there are and there were some yes. really amazing dental hygienists that were in the forefront the saying, hey, phenomenal. this is what we need to do. And, and, and I, but I think it was just fear and lack there of was understanding. Fear and, and so it comes back to communication when there's no communication or there, there's this, a void and you know, nature abhors a void and right. it'll try to fill it in with whatever. And, and the problem is, is that because dentists are so cautious, right? There needs, someone needed to say something, right? And, right. and so I think, I think that's exactly where it came from. And I, and I cannot say enough that I don't think that there's anything purposeful about what happened. No, I don't I, think, I, and I'm not trying to say that there's anything sure. wrong with the dental hygienist because guys, please just don't light me no. up because I love you guys. No, really and they're do. the lifeblood of any practice. Absolutely. You, you, they're essential, essential, essential. And so 
I didn't see but it. We it, weren't doing our jobs no, as dentists. We correct, weren't, we weren't words, educating not, them and giving them information. I will, I, will, I will change one word there. You weren't, those who, many were doing their jobs. So the ones who were not, it wasn't that they weren't doing their jobs as dentists. They weren't doing their jobs as leaders. Yes. It, you weren't doing I, your jobs as leaders. could not agree more. Right? It, it wasn't about necessarily even, it was, yes, you have the knowledge and the science, but it's how do we lead people? How do we show our teams that it's going to be okay? Here's our vision. Here's how we're going to handle this. We're going to build a strategy. We're going to learn. We're going to train. We're going to reopen. And this is how it's going to happen. And I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to look you dead in the eye. And I'm going to keep you informed and you know, keep us moving along. That that was the biggest gap in, Absolutely. in, in this. And so, and, and so in a very real way, yeah. our teams stepped up into a leadership role yeah. that we had left vacant. And if if yeah. we had been better leaders then a lot of the misinformation that was spread would not have been spread. So here's what's amazing. So you asked me what, was, what I'm seeing out there. So there's a small percentage that haven't reopened or won't reopen. There's, there's a percentage that are still struggling. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the offices that I'm working with, because we focus so much on that kind of leadership side and, and engaging the team and, and working on the culture and, all, and, and building a plan for reopening and being prepared, my, my clients right now are, are either at pre-COVID numbers or, mm -hmm. or bigger. Excellent. Good. So that was very exciting. And are that's, you, and that's are you really finding a difference between your fee for service practices, your out of network practices, and your PPO practices? Um, we're making shifts and changes. Mm -hmm. It was actually a great opportunity. So the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm so, no. Antidotally, that's what I'm seeing. And whatever I speak to my Okay. Members. What are you seeing? Um, I'm speaking, I'm seeing that fee for service practices are not recovering as fast. Oh, interesting. So I, I, I have only, I have one pure fee for service practice and she's actually up like 30% this that's year over last year. I've got one office that's, um, you know, a mix and, 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 you know, in network with a few and we actually dropped during, during the shutdown, we decided to drop the plan. Good. And so we're making changes. And, and part of that was obviously it should have been done sooner, but it's <clears> also <throat> an opportunity, you know, in crisis, there's risk and opportunity, right? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, the risk, were you know losing patients forever the risks were you know um getting undercut by the insurance companies continuously and getting worse because they're probably going to be you know reimbursing even less yeah right. the, the opportunity was people were open to change right now like everything was changing around us right and so that's, like and that's, that's a best time to element. make a change right so we made other smart changes like um gosh you know get, doing touchless payment and it sounds Simple, right? Mm -hmm. But but going to something smart. Why would we do touchless payment now? Well, there's several reasons. One, given the COVID environment, it's mm -hmm. like another thing to market and say, well, listen, we believe in protecting you so much, so we don't want to keep taking your credit card and handing things back and forth and, and you know pens. Right. It's minor, but it makes a difference, right? And and then the, also that helps with um, people accepting treatment, right? When we do touchless payment, we can either do it, you know, te text to pay is one way. It makes you more high tech and make you more with the times. Like I tell everybody, even mm. the guy who cuts my hair does it. Why right. aren't you at the dental office doing it? But also having a secure system to retain credit cards on file so that we no longer have to do anything. And we can just be in the back of the op and say, well, Mrs. Cunningham, would you like me just to go ahead and put that on the credit card and file? And they say, yes, we're limiting, we're removing any barrier to acceptance as we possibly can. It's it's the Amazon way, right? What has Amazon done so well? They removed almost every possible barrier to making a purchase, mm -hmm. right? They do it, credit cards on file, you one click, right? And you get it, right? And so, so- Amazon is it, entirely yeah. addictive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so wouldn't it be great if we could make dentistry addictive? It, it, would, it would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm, 
I'm going to say that I'm, as much as I believe in you, I'm not seeing that happen anytime soon, brother. <laughs> well, it's not going to be addictive. However, <clears throat> we can make it more accessible, right? We can make it more accessible. Just put a little cocaine in the water. <laughs> well, uh, you know, whenever you're, whenever right, you're cleaning like, their yeah, teeth. I got this drive. I just got to get, I'm Jones. I'm Jones just, for, a, I need for a crown. <laughs> I need it. I need a profi. <laughs> right. He's got to get it. One more hit, right? No, but no, no, we don't no. want that, but we want to make it easier. And so, you know, I mean, come on, you, you know this, Doc, we talked about this. Like when, it, when you have a patient in the chair and you know they need this work done right. and they say they don't accept, what's, what's the number one reason they don't accept? Oh, it's always money. It's, all, it's always money. It's perceived value, right? Because right? you and I know you've had these folks pull in with their, their new Lexus they just leased and their Louis Vuitton bag talking about the cruise they just took mm-hmm. with their nails just done and their, their $6 Absolutely. coffee and they, don't want, to buy that, 12, they don't want the you know, $1,400, $1,200 crown. And, and you're scratching, right? It's perceived value. Absolutely. So that's on, that, no, that, that's on us. It is. That's it absolutely. Is. We haven't done a good enough well, job. Well, we and also the organizations that are supposed to support us. That's all. I mean, we're going way off the numbers, but I mean. Don't get me in trouble with the ADA. I, you said it, not me. But like, you know. What there's actually, there's there's some really, <laughs> there's some amazing people at the ADA. There We've got are. some great friends there. They're trying to make the changes we're talking about. But I think that in a very large way, the ADA has on, on whole, it's, it's suffered from mission creep because, you know, yeah. it used to be it's to protect dentists and to protect patients right. and provide education. And now it's, well, we're going to protect patients from dentists. And then it's, well, <laughs> well we have so, to educate them about toothpaste. And regardless, ADA so, or not, like, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a national <clears throat> organization that didn't just protect dentists and patients, but actually promoted dentistry? I think that would be fantastic. Promoted. So you and, guys are stuck with the burden. And, you know, and, as, as much as I didn't like the way they went about it, yeah. you know, who really did a good job about that. I, I think that they were facing an insurmountable foe. Honestly, it is the Orthodontics Association. Uh, so. uh, well, they, they came out with this ad that really just, uh, honestly, it pissed me off because uh, it said, uh, basically, it said, your general dentist isn't capable of doing orthodontics, you know. Oh. Yeah, it was, okay. it pissed a lot of people. Okay. But the thing that. is, is they actually did a great job of promoting their members as yeah. the right people and the experts in handling things. But unfortunately, they, they cut off their nose to spite their face because how many general dentists got pissed off by that right. ad? I mean, well, like so all let's of them? Look at, look, let's look at what we can learn from that, right? Like, um, if you go read, you know, like Steve Jobs, the biography of Steve Jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the great things that Apple did was they, they um, looked at other industries for ideas that they could mold and shape to help them. So if you go to an Apple store, you have the Genius Bar, right? Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? That's I don't know. Where did it come from? That's a concierge idea from like the Ritz Carlton, mm-hmm. right? And so they just. I try to steal all my ideas from my practice from Apple and from Starbucks. Well, they were. Because I figured they right? do a lot they, of They research, already work. Like, you know? why, why try to figure out and spend all this time spinning your wheels and reinventing the wheel? Right. So, so like, it's, it's kind of funny if you look at other industries completely unrelated to healthcare. Look at the dairy industry. Like, everybody knows got milk, right? Mm-hmm. That was a promotion done. By, I don't remember it was an American Dairy Association or something to promote milk consumption, dairy consumption. You have it for beef, you have it for pork, mm-hmm. you have it for the auto industry, and in healthcare you have it. You know, for for the Heart Association, right? It, it go, like, wouldn't it be amazing to drive down the road and see a billboard that says, you know, have you scheduled your two hygiene appointments for the year? Yeah, and and fantastic. you didn't have to pay for it, but some national dental organization paid. For it, you know what else right? I'd like to see? I'd like to see. And I'm not, I've, I've never been a rah, rah, shish, kumba, you know, let's yeah. all hold hands and sing kumbaya kind of guy, but no, no, doc, you're not. So, but what I'd like to see, I'd like to see dentists not be such douchebags to each other. <laughs> what does that mean? 
I, I want to see, I want to see dentists yeah. treat each other with respect. I don't want to see dentists throwing each other in the bus. Again, it's fear. Wanna, it's not coming from abundance. Like, let's, let's go back to numbers, right? Like well, my, 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 I, my competition well, is not the guy down the road. No, it's, it's Best Starbucks. Buy. Or Best Buy. It, or Best Starbucks, Buy, yes. Starbucks, Amazon, whatever, man. That's, that's your, that's your hundred percent. We've talked about this before. You're like, like we know that 50% of American adults do not have a regular dentist. That's crazy. So like, that means everybody that passes by every other person could possibly be your patient. And I like, can't treat them and all. You can't treat them all. And you Can don't want to treat them all. No, I don't know. Particularly there's some of them I well, don't want to treat. But think about culture and what kind of patient you want. This uh, is a question we ask our clients all the time. Like, I want you to think of your ideal patient who think, and, and to do that, actually think back to the patients that you connected the most with and had the most success with. Absolutely. That's the kind of patient you want to, you want to, to clone and duplicate and go after that person is probably not the same person that would be attracted to you or that you would right. want to have. And that's okay. There's also, I call, you know, the Starbucks effect, right? So everybody freaked out when Starbucks, you know, the big, bad, you know, corporate dental, coffee business, right? Came into town and they're going to ruin it for everybody. Right. Guess what they did? They created a much larger market for coffee. They did. They really and now did. you, I mean, you know, now they, you're seeing coffee shops pop up all over the place. Coffee shops pop up all over the place. Dunkin' Donuts up their game. McDonald's up their game. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, um, um, espresso oh. machines <laughs> flying off the shelves like that. It wasn't part of American consumerism before. Mm -hmm. Now, now it is. It created a market. It's why when you go buy a car, you see you see, you know, car dealerships all congregate in one area because it creates this market for buying cars. Right. So you got to put this fear away and just be, just stop being stupid and know that, like, right? Just are, are you channeling me now? No. Yes. Just stop being stupid. Stop being just stupid. <laughs> does a lot of that, but it's come yes. from abundance. There's plenty of dentistry to be done, and if we create a lot, so yes, we can't. Maybe we can't create an addiction for dentistry, but we create an awareness for it, a desire for it, a, a recognition of the value of it in our lives right like everybody in america wants a car because we've created a culture for wanting cars right and 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 we haven't yet been able to kind of crack that code for dentistry we've, we've created a culture that wants phones we've created a right that wants it's cars. the same thing you know? and yet the difference the, the the upside of what we do is that like dentistry literally improves and changes lives you know, right. And, and I can't tell you that an iPhone does, and you know, I can't tell you that getting a cup of coffee, but talking about it, that's kind of a funny thing though. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can't make dentistry addictive, but Starbucks can sell something that scientifically is addictive. Right. Like they have a green light <laughs> to go and sell caffeinated beverage. Maybe, maybe I should have a Starbucks. Start, in practice. Yeah, start lacing your mm -hmm. fluoride with caffeine or something. I know. I don't yeah, know. It's uh, nicotine. <laughs> or, something. You know. No, no, don't, don't put that. No, we didn't say that. Hey, <laughs> would you like these brownies? <laughs> <laughs> so something oh, that we goodness. can put it in the air. I don't know. But, know. you know, yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, we were just talking about numbers, man, but it's all, the, the truth is like, it's not about the numbers. It's about the behavior, right? The no. numbers are just a, a way to keep score. It's an indicator. It's, it's an, an indicator. indicator. And, and, and you know, it's a leading indicator, a lagging indicator. <clears throat> and when we look at the numbers, when I, so, you know, when, when I look at a dashboard of numbers, I look at that dental intel or somebody will show me your Jarvis, right? Jarvis. We literally can sit there for two hours and just go through and I can pick two or three numbers. Like <clears throat> look at your hygiene effectiveness, right? Like mm. <clears throat> of our active patients. He's got the Rona guys. Did you hear no, that? I don't. <laughs> so if I die, it's because of him. Let me have a so. taste of this fine beverage. Ah, excellent. By the way, 
This isn't a commercial, but this stuff is really good. I call it buble. I That's call it, it buble too. <laughs> I hold my my pinky up whenever I. I usually pour it in a in a nice little uh, glass so, you know, so that no one sees me. But today I, I didn't have time because I was resetting some lighting. But you're, but you're talking about something that's really important, right? Take your 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 thirty five cent carbonated beverage and put it right. in a fancy glass. It creates a different experience. Exactly. Right, and people are willing exactly. to pay ten times for that. We know this to be true, but you know, if I look at your numbers, Especially if you put a little vodka, in. right? A little slice of lime, that's We're right. All good. <laughs> a little strong in the brain. Um, look, we look at we look at your hygiene effectiveness, right? What percentage of your active patients, patients that have been in here for the last, you know, eighteen months, coming for something, they consider you to be their dentist, mm -hmm. and how many of them actually in the last six months came in for the hygiene visit? Right. We can also do a forward look. Right. How many, what percentage of active patients are on the books looking forward? What percentage of patients who have not been in your office for over 18 months still think of you as their dentist? Past 18 months, not many. Well, they, I, I don't know. I've had some come in after two so, years, so yeah, three so years. Yes, you'll have them pop up. But right. if I'm advising you as the office, it's, you only, you have it's not resources. the low-hanging fruit. We'll it's put not it that the low, yeah, you have only so many hours in a day. But I know dentists who take those patients completely out of their practice management system. After so, 18 months, they you just... Know, you can, well, you inactivate them. The records are still there and they can yeah. come back. But if I'm, I'm if I'm advising you as the office and you say, okay, look, you got to turn this around. You, mm -hmm. you don't have enough patients on the hygiene, in hygiene. Hygiene is the lifeblood of your practice. Yeah, go look you, you for got the guys. Your, you're holding at like 60% effectiveness rate. You have 40% of your active patients aren't on the books. You got a team of five people. If they could each dedicate an hour a week, right? And, and call on these folks, we can get 20% of them back in. Right. You are going to have an almost instant impact on your productivity. Now, do I want you to call those ones past 18 months? If you get through the 200, 500, 800,000 patients that are because on your those brand, are the people who still have you fresh on their mind, right? Fresh on their mind. They were just here. And, and I'll start, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll call them out. I'll call my clients out. I'll pull the list of the last six months and I'll say, you know, let's look at how many of these patients are not currently on your on your schedule. Right. They're and, coming in the front door, they're leaving out of the back. And I'll go, so now we, this whole conversation just opens up, right? We go, okay, so we got 60% of our patients, active patients, aren't scheduled. We're, we're, we're maybe rescheduling, reappointing 70% when they come through. So that means some are falling off after they've already right. been appointed. Okay, great. So now what, right? A consultant will say, okay, start rescheduling them. But I need to ask, well, what are you doing to make this better? How can you make this better? What mm. will work with your team? We know we need to get them back in, right? What's it going to take to double down on that effort? And like, how can <laughs> we make it happen? And, 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 and get your team to believe that this is, this is critical and I tell them, you know, carve out time. And we're talking, I know I'm getting very in, in specific here, but like put time on the schedule that is holy. It's sacred time. This one hour block, you're doing nothing but calling on these patients. It's so, right. and then when we look at the numbers, here's where the numbers really get exciting. Cause not only, you know, the doctors want to look six months around and see our production. I'm like, no, we're going to look week to week and see how many calls Absolutely. do we make? How many people did we reach? How many did we reschedule? How I much would, production did that put back on the schedule? I would even go so far yeah. as to, depending upon how much you're trying to drill down into a behavior, I would even go so far as to say day to day. Because yeah, yeah. A, a lot of times you can just show, yeah. say, hey guys, you made calls yesterday. You got three patients in. One of them yeah. was an emergency. We did an extraction. We earned $1,200 for that and the bone graft and blah, blah, blah. You know, that time that you spent right there was so valuable. Right. If you hadn't made that call, it would have been $1,200 behind the ball. Right. Well, and you've seen it. Like when you go even further and break that number down, and you can say, wait, for these X number of calls you made and average that out over the actual dollar amount of the production you put on the schedule, per call you made, whether you reached the person or not, you generated $28, $38, $40 
per call. Right. Now, you know, we have this, cl- you know, classic, you know, um, kind of family feud always going on with, you know, front office, kind of sibling rivalry, right? front office, right. back office, you produce, I don't produce. But when I can show a front desk person that you made all these calls and you generated $29 per call and every call average about one minute, you're actually producing more per minute than the doctor. <laughs> so, and they light up, they, they, they go, that's like gives them such sense of ownership and pride. They've contributed something really tangible. And, and there's, there's really, you, you put your fingers on something yeah. there um, that um, I do that's a little bit different. And that is that every single person in my office is clinically trained. Yeah. Uh, there's no one there that's not because right. uh, I, I just don't believe in that. And you've all, you either have to have an extra employee. Right. Or you have to have everybody cross trained. Yeah. Because, you know, whenever you're running a small office, it's, sure. it's hairy when you get somebody. You know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And that's unique. And that's, that's what makes you. You, you're very unique, right? But you know, so unique doesn't mean good though, guys. Yes, it does. It means great. It means extraordinary. So yeah, I mean, there, there's so much you can do. So that's you know, you asked me some things, uh, recommendations. Take a look at that. Look at how many of your patients are currently on the schedule. Get a percentage. How many are not? And then take a look at how many you're actually reappointing mm-hmm. as they leave. And then you can start to build a plan on how to close that gap. Right. So the, the patients aren't leaving out the back door. You know, when I look at numbers and, 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 or, you know, and we see like new, new patients. So new patients, right. doctors love to talk about new patients. I need more new patients. I need more well, new they patients. Need, they need more new patients because, okay. So let's, let's, well, why do they need more patients? Let's look at the, why do you okay. need more patients? Why if you you're getting patients? 20 new patients a month, right? yeah, that's, that's great. Two, 240 Fine. new patients a year. Okay. You have 240 new patients a year. How many slots do you have in a typical hygiene schedule? On a daily basis, you know, for one column, eight. Okay. Eight. All right. How many days do you work a week? Four. Four. All right. So eight times four is what? 32. 32. All right. So you get 32 times 52. Okay. All right. So you should have to hire a new hygienist every four years. Right. Okay. Additional hygienist every four years yeah. if you're keeping your patients. So, so great. So what you're, so it's fun to hear you say that because there's so many with numbers, you can come at the same thing from so many different directions. Right. And so I could say, listen, you want to know, here's how how numbers are so powerful. We don't want to, we don't want to shoot from the hip. Right. We use these numbers to make powerful decisions about what we're going to do. Right. It drives the behavior. So for example, I was talking about hygiene reactivation. That's one thing talking about hiring. If I know I have X number of active patients, I can then make decisions about how many days or columns of hygiene do I need, which also allows me to make decisions on how many people do I need to hire? Do I need to hire? So we know the kind of a rule of thumb, but every 200 active patients we have, that's a column of hygiene a week. Okay. Right. And so I can start making decisions as I'm growing. When do I need to bring in a new hygienist? So I don't put that payroll curve way, you know, way too far in front of actual our production and collection. Right. So we make smarter, make much smarter decisions. So, and you know, anytime that you have the ability to predict growth, yeah. um, and, 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 and folks, that's how big businesses run. They predict Correct. growth patterns and they hire before the need gets there Correct. so that they can train employees, can train their team to yeah. do the job so that when they do get the, the surge, it, everything doesn't fall apart. Correct. You know, you're not. Yep. And, and you're not guessing and you're not taking swags at things, you know, Absolutely. And, and, and it makes sense what we're doing. It's, it's with purpose and intention. 
And so, you know, if I, I talk to my team and I say, you know, well, you're talking about the new patients, like, why do you need more new patients? It's because you're losing them out the back door. Absolutely. We know it costs four times as much to acquire a new patient than it does to keep an existing patient. So like when I look in your system and I see you've got 40% of your patients have not been in for hygiene or not on the schedule, you're sitting on a marketing goldmine. Absolutely. You know the patient's name, you know their dental history, you know their insurance if you're taking plans, you know you know, their family members, you have their phone number, you have their email address, like people pay big bucks for that kind of data. Absolutely. Right? And you're sitting there with and, it. And so you're here's the question. Yeah. You've got this, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of information or right. what, what's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars other people right. of information. And they're willing to pay and buy that information. So why isn't it doing you any good? It, it's, it's not if it's just sitting there and it's not doing your patients any good. And exactly. what I mean by that is, you know, if I look any God-fearing dentist in the eyes and say, you know, you know, do you care about your patients? Yes. And we want to provide the best possible care for our patients. Mm-hmm. So, so why are you not helping them come back? Like if you believe in providing the best possible care for your patients, you believe in dentistry and, 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 and the health benefits of it all. So like, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing 40, 50% of your patients to skip hygiene appointments and not get back in here and get the treatment that they need? You know, it all comes back to that, right? I, we, we've had this conversation before. <laughs> and so give us real quick, yeah. the top, top three easy things, super low sure. hanging fruit that any dental office out there can probably do to increase their business. So we've, we've talked about a few more already. One hundred percent. It's, it's the hygiene program, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that every patient that comes through the office for a hygiene visit gets reappointed and learn learn the skills that it takes to have those conversations. I always get pushed back on, well, what if a patient says no? We need to learn how to deal with that. Right. And, and that we can do that, but making sure you're getting them back on, that's that that's one. Number two is take a look at your what I call treatment or hygiene reactivation. That means calling on all of our patients that have fallen out of out of our recare program and knowing again, how to have the conversations with them. The whole idea is to love them back into the practice. Mm -hmm. Do not make it a sterile, cold, impersonal call. Again, that's more training, but we can address that another time. And then, and then third, um, you know, I think it's, it's focus. This is, this is maybe a little bit bigger. It's not a quick fix, but focus on the culture of your office, right? Focus. If you don't address the culture and, and, and again, not again, but what is culture? I want to make sure we're clear on that. I'll make it really succinct, but it's really the, the, the collective and shared values of how we're supposed to behave here in this, in this organization. And so if you can build the right culture, everything else will start to take care of itself. I don't want you to wake up an accident, right? Don't start the, don't go another day without being intentional about building the culture you want. Cause if you and, don't, and don't, <laughs> something else is going to come up, show up. Well, if you don't grow the culture you want, a culture will grow yes. in its place. So, so there's toxic culture and there's destructive Absolutely. culture and then there's constructive culture and caring culture and, and abundance culture. Think about what you want in order and, and think about per, first personally, what kind of environment do you want to work in? And then think of it from your patient's perspective, you know, what kind of experience do you Absolutely. want your patients to have? I think of it like Simple, simplify it to, you know, if you were to get the ultimate Google review ever that would be reposted across the world, what would you want somebody to say about their experience in your office? And then write that and then go about building that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, 
I'll end by saying, if you don't communicate your culture to your team, they will make assumption as to what your culture is. That's right. And one of the most important things that you can control in the experience that your patient has, and we are folks in the experience business, one of the few things you can control utterly is your culture. Figure it out, know what you want, and communicate it. Sounds like a plan, man. All right. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. We're um, we're hitting up against our one hour mark, and uh, I, I I know I've got a couple of other interviews coming on today, but I wanted to thank you for bringing uh, all of this great information in and sharing so freely with my my listeners. Um, how can they get in touch with you? And again, folks, I'm not getting paid to send Brian business, but I think he's done some great things for me. And I, I love talking to the guy. And I you. hope you guys have enjoyed listening to him too. Yeah. So. And, 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 and I'll put this out there. All, all I look for is to have conversations like, you know, we, Absolutely. We, it's not always all about the numbers. Like I, so reach out to talk to me, any questions I'm come from abundance. I will share and share and share. And on that note, talking about numbers, if you do want to look at your numbers specifically, I can give you my, my, what I call my profit and loss monitor. It's a fantastic spreadsheet. We can put okay. your numbers in it and we can have a conversation, but just give me a call, email me, Brian Passell. It's B R I A N P A S S E L L. So two S's, two L's okay. at fortune MGMT.com. You can, here's my phone number. You can call me, text me 281-686-4550, or you can check me out at fortunehouston.com. Fantastic. And we'll include anything, any other contact information, talk to the Excellent. doc. Hey, do you have a, um, you have a landing page you can give me? I can just plug it in into the um, episode and they can click on a single button. I will send that to you. We got that. Excellent. We got that. Yep. We got all set up, man. We're rocking and rolling. But in the meantime, thank you so much for having me. I always love our conversations. I love where it goes. As you can tell, we went all over the place. We started with Absolutely. numbers and we ended up with culture. Well, and we came back to what it's all about. That's what, it's, what that's it's the numbers don't matter yeah. if you don't have the culture. Numbers Absolutely. are never going to be what you want. So everybody, you know, go out there, do amazing things. I, I, I you know, I'm passionate about the dental industry. You guys are changing lives out there. So I thank you all for being out there doing what you do and keep it up. So it's been amazing. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate it. Oh, man. Always a pleasure. Thank guys, thank you so much for joining us for another hour of the Dear Doc podcast. And, uh, you know, hopefully your ears aren't burning from the droning sound of my voice today. Have a fantastic day and keep listening. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.